The Comic Book Time Machine, episode 62, The Ghost of Superman Future, Superman issue 416. Someday I will tell you guys the lyrics to that song, Um, but that day is not today. No, today instead is a day where I'm going to talk about, actually, I'm kind of talking about two comic books on opposite ends of the spectrum for me as far as levels of quality and impact upon my life goes. Um, First of all, uh, just a brief setup. Um, I've actually pulled together a a pile of 25 comics that I have in my collection that I want to read. And they're just single issues. There are a couple double issues in there and there's one, um, I think it's three issues together that, but they're short. But the idea being just something I can pull up quickly and I can read. And they're things that I want to read. They're things that I actually do want to get back into. Some of them are books that I have never touched, but I own. And some are books that I have owned for a very, very long time and would like to revisit. And so I, I put that stack together and then um, for a day like today where uh, we need an episode for Comic Book Time Machine. And what I did was I, I told Matt and Daniel in a quick little group message, uh, why don't you give me a number between 1 and 25? And then the other one tell me if I'm coming from the top of the pack pack or the bottom of the pile and so matt chose the number five and daniel told me to count from the top of the pile which i did and when i counted down from the top of the pile um there was that first comic that i was going to read and i put it in the stack because i wanted to revisit it and find out if i still had the same feelings about it as i did when i first read it and i'm not going to say what it is but what happened was um by Give me those time coordinates. I went back to 1993. Um, I was in college in 1993. I did not buy this comic originally in 1993. But uh, going back to those coordinates Daniel gave me, I remember buying this comic book. And uh, I bought it because it had a guest star. That was the only reason. Right across the top of it, it says guest starring blank. And I'm not going to say who it is because I'm not going to actually talk about any specific details with this comic book. I don't want to give away... Here's the thing. I, I just did an episode for Strangers and Aliens where I was talking about the movie Pixels and the movie Ant-Man, and I just hated on Pixels. It's terrible. It's not a good movie. It's not funny. They don't even try. I mean, it's not like it's a bunch of one-liners that just aren't funny. They don't even have the unfunny one-liners. And I just decided, you know what? I don't I don't want to do the negative episode. And see, this issue in my hands, I bought it because of the guest star But the reason I kept it and actually put it in a place where I could get to it easily if I ever wanted to revisit it was because this was right at the beginning of my comic book writing time. This is before I was even a a professional uh, or a published writer of comic books. But this was when I was kind of aspiring to do so. And this book was so bad that I said, I'm keeping this for the simple reason of reminding me how not to do the storytelling in comic book form. Uh, There is, it's poor exposition. It's characters who just show up. It does not follow 
anything close to the idea that Stan Lee had about, uh, you know, any comic could be someone's first. You're thrown in the middle. You're confused all the way to the end. And the guest star shows up, punches some bad guys and leaves and doesn't have anything to do with any of the resolution. He shows up and says, oh, I know you. I'm going to help you. And then he runs away and that's it. Uh, I shouldn't say runs away. He leaves because he's asked to leave by the main hero because the main hero says, no, this is my fight, not yours. How stupid. I mean, it's just that's what I'm thinking. I'm reading it. I'm thinking, yeah, that's uh, your character is actually just saying what you're saying. It's his fight, not the other guys. So why is the other guy even there? Anyway, uh, I spent too much time talking about that when I. I, I was looking forward to it. I was said, ah, I'm going to revisit and see, is it as bad as I remember? And the truth is, it's not as bad as I remembered. It's just not good. It's still not good. And it's not even really bad enough to do a funny episode or anything like that. Uh, it just, it just, I, I just decided I, I'm not doing this. So instead, I, I did five from the bottom. Well, five from the bottom of the pile. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad I, I broke the rule. This was something, again, I have this stack, and the only reason I made this stack is because these are books I want to read, and there are other books now that I'll put in there, so it'll always be 25, and I'll, you know, so I'll cycle through, and now I'm cycling, actually, I've cycled through two already, and I probably will. I'm not going to go completely random. I'm not going to hold myself to that strict structure. If I get something and I read it and I just don't find it worth talking about, I probably won't talk about it, and I'll just choose another one somehow, probably just by doing what I just did, switching up from, okay, five from the top. Instead of five from the top, I'm going to do five from the bottom. Well, five from the bottom, uh, that one, that second choice was this old comic that I've had since I was in grade seven. I've had this since since 1986 or 1987. I couldn't tell you exactly when I got it. I didn't buy it off of the newsstand. I didn't buy it off of the spinner rack. Someone gave it to me. And I don't remember who, but it has a big significance for me. Uh, it's one of those formative stories that I encountered uh, at just the right moment at just the perfect moment. It just caught me. Now, um, I, the, the, the issue in question is Superman, number 416. And so five from the bottom, <laughs> uh, so to speak, actually got me into uh, 1986. And let me bring up the information here from Mike's Amazing World. So that choice uh, sent my time machine back in time to well, uh, if I was going to buy this on the stands, November 1985, although the cover date is February 1986. Now, like I said, I got this in grade seven, and I remember I got it in grade seven because I do remember the classroom I was sitting in when it was given to me. I just can't remember the exact details. You see, that year, my English teacher was a very supportive English teacher, and she supported storytelling. She... um uh, she read my short stories. She actually took one of my short stories and showed it to a professor of hers at the University of Michigan. No, Michigan State University, the one in Lansing. Uh, showed it to a professor there, had him, I don't know, examine it based on uh, where should a seventh grader's, you know, cognitive or, you know, where, where should that be? Um, and he was, he had some favorable things to say about it that she related back to me then. Um 
It was a Star Trek story, by the way. Uh, it was taking Star Trek and merging it together with Jaws. So uh, Captain Kirk and Spock and McCoy crash landed on a water planet in their shuttle. And there was a shark like monster that was swimming around underneath them. And they ended up having to kill it and they didn't want to, but they had to. And yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't Shakespeare. Let's put it that way. But uh, I also had friends that I was hanging out with Mike and Kip and Dan and uh, Kippy rather. And, and I might have been given this comic by Kippy, actually, because I, I think I have this vague memory of Kippy saying, yeah, I have the Superman comic and he does this and this happens. It's really cool. And I th we talked about Twilight Zone. We talked about Star Trek. We uh, in the actual we were in a portable classroom out outside of the building. Uh, and in that classroom, our English teacher had a stack of comics that she got from like a barber's office or a barber's office, a barber shop or something. And uh, they were just there. And actually, she let me at the end of the year take home uh, some Star Trek comics that were there. And she also had some some Superman ones. I think John Burns uh, Man of Steel was there. Uh, and I remember reading those comics and, and so this is why I say, I don't think she gave this one to me. It's because I remember her giving me the Star Trek ones because, well, Star Trek, and it doesn't have written on in marker P six, I think is what it was for portable number six. And so since it doesn't have that on here, maybe it just it was Kippy who gave it to me and, and just said I could keep it. I hope he said I could keep it. If he didn't say I could keep it, then I stole it. Um, I'm going to go with he said I could keep it. Uh, but anyway, it was somehow given to me, and I loved it back then. Now, here's, here's what we're looking at here. We're looking at this cover, and there's the Fortress of Solitude's door in the background. There's the huge giant key of the Fortress of Solitude there. Uh, and then in the foreground, you have this Superman. Now, he's standing there, and he looks like Superman. He's got the muscles. He's got the costume. But he also has this long, flowing beard and long, flowing hair. Uh, he's aged. He's aged. And on the cover, it says, The Ghost of Superman Future. But then when you open it up, it's not the future. It's the present day, and I love it. Uh, we're just jumping right in with the action. Lex Luthor is driving a boat, and Superman is diving into the water in front of the boat, and he's saying, game's up for you again, Luthor. Lex Luthor says, no, you can't stop me here. Not now. Not today. And then the caption says, it's a difficult enough question in a complicated world to decide who is a hero and who is a villain. But when the question becomes who is a hero to a villain, then we enter the bizarre realm of Lex Luthor's mad dream and and then the title that kind of gives a lot away, The Einstein Connection. Now I'm going to spoil this comic. Um and truthfully, I don't feel bad about spoiling it because they kind of spoil it in the title right there. Uh but I am going to spoil everything because in order for me to really talk about why this comic connects with me, I have to give away some of the details here. 
Now, this was a significant story for me to discover and to read. I didn't understand the actual significance of the comic itself. First of all, this is coming right on the tail run of Superman's comics before the crisis in 1986. This is happening a few months before whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow from Alan Moore. And actually, I love that story, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. But what I forgot, see, I've read the Man, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow a few times in the last couple of years. I haven't read this comic in decades, maybe 15 years, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably it's been 20 years since I've read this. This is actually, for me, a better send off to Superman and Lex Luthor, and I'll explain why in a moment. So I didn't understand the significance of the timing, although Man of Steel, if Man of Steel was out when I actually had this put into my possession, and then if, because I was also reading a world of Krypton and world of Smallville and world of Metropolis around in that time too, um, maybe, no, I, I still wouldn't have understood the significance because I didn't know anything about crisis. I didn't know anything about what was going on there. I didn't understand the history of things. Those are things I discovered later on that I had read these things that were, you know, the new telling of Superman's origin because of what had happened with crisis. But for me as a reader back then, all that continuity stuff, all that canon stuff, it really didn't matter to me. I didn't know about it and I didn't care. I just wanted good stories and that's what I got in this one. Now, it's a quiet story. This is a very, very quiet story. It's about Superman stopping for a moment as a superhero and and basically listening or paying attention, maybe not listening so much to, uh, to Einstein, to Lex Luthor, but, but paying attention to what was going on. And then it also has Luthor showing a side of him that's a human side. And... And there's more, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I didn't understand the significance of the, the creative team either. It was written by Elliot S. Magan, who whenever I see his name, that's the way I have to say it in my head. And I rarely say it out loud, but I have to say it that out loud because of what it does in my head. It's illustrated by Kurt Swan and Al Williamson. And it's edited by Julius Schwartz. I didn't know any of these names. I didn't know the importance of any of these names. I didn't understand that these are people who had shaped Superman for a long, long time. Really, even then, I mean, I, I talked about in, in some of the past episodes where names in the credits were just words to get past to continue reading the story. I didn't understand about creative teams. I knew at this point in time that I wanted to be involved in comics. I was drawing my comic series called Birdman and a comic series called Machine Man and my Star Trek fan fiction comics. But I wasn't really aware that there was an inker and a penciler. I didn't even know there was a such thing as inking. I did all my comics in pencil or in pen. Which one? Whichever one I had in my hand. I didn't understand that usually you had writers and illustrators working together. Uh, I just did everything by myself, and it pretty much looked like crap. But it's what I did. And because, again, this was a formative time for me creatively, so I was working on these things. All those, you know, those Birdman comics, I still have them. And I look back at them fondly because, well... I'm a professional comic book writer now. Why? Because of stories like this, because of 
teachers like Mrs. Kurtzman, I think is what her name was, because of the things that I did with my friends. I mean, we shared our comics. We, we drew comics and we, we traded them uh, back and forth. You know, I, we, we kept each, you know, our own. If, you know, they always would come back to us. But anyway, the story, I didn't understand the significance of the creative team behind it and how they were really people who had shaped and molded Superman into the character that I had grown up with and appreciated. Uh, now, there was Superman from Super Friends, there was Superman from the movie, and then there was Superman in the comics. And I understood these are three different things, but those three different things still all had those same elements to me, and that was of heroism, of someone who had great power and who was using it to help people, even though he didn't have to. So that I mean, that takes us to this story here where it's not a story about Superman using his great power. And this is where when people say Superman is too powerful to write a good story. This is Kurt Swan Superman. This is Superman who maybe he's been depowered because of the 70s. But it he's still super powerful. He's still Superman. And it's a good story. He could punch Lex Luthor's heart and destroy the man's chest in a split second but he doesn't why because he's going to use his brain he's going to use his soul he's not just going to use his body i mean that's why i think superman is a great character he is not one that i would find hard to write because it would all be about him choosing i mean it's the internal struggle what do i do with the power i've been given and that's an internal struggle that every single human being has what do i do with the power i've been given and how do i use this power to help my fellow man do i use it to strike them down or do i use it to pull them up and this is what this story is about this is about Superman using his power twice <laughs> to pull up instead of strike down. So let's get into the story then, because that's the thing. I mean, the art, uh, I mean, even now the with artwork, if it's bad artwork, it bothers me. It takes me out of the story. I'm not interested in a story with bad artwork. I'm still, though. You know, it has to be amazing artwork for me to sit back and say, whoa, that's amazing. And so it does happen in this story. The artwork doesn't make me say, "Ooh, it's bad and I'm out of here. And it's, it's just solid. It's just solid. It doesn't say, look at me, look at me, how great I am or how different I am. It's just solid, solid storytelling that makes me, it makes me happy. You know, it's, it's, it's good enough to pull me along. Yeah, it is good. It is really good. And it, but there's not, there's not a lot of action. There's just, it's just a lot of people doing stuff. And so let's get into it. The concept, there's two stories here and they are connected. I'll, I'll spoil that much right now, but let's jump into the first story. The first story is the Einstein connection with the exclamation point. I already talked about that splash page, but what happens is, uh, we're a few years ago. This is actually in the past. And that's what another nice thing about the story is we got a present day element. We've got past elements and we'll get into some future elements here too. March 14th, a few years ago, Luthor has escaped 
from prison again. And Superman captures him, you know, gets the boat, flies the boat away. And, and Luther says, well, I've got a teleportation device. And he disappears. But when Superman examines the, the boat's uh, machinery and the tech that's hidden in the boat with his X-ray vision, he realizes that really um, Lex Luthor has just turned himself invisible. And so Superman lets Luthor think that he's won. And, and Luthor goes to an ice cream shop in Princeton to do a sort of crime. But what? What could it be? So Superman follows him. Uh, but even though he's following Luther to find out what's going on, he's still two steps ahead of him. And he ends up catching uh, Luther before he commits the crime. And in fact, there is no crime that gets committed that day except for his escape from prison. Uh, we get the idea that this has happened. It's a routine thing already where this this escape and return around this date, March 14th. A few years later, Luther escapes again. This time, it's Clark Kent getting a tip to where Lex Luthor ended up, which is Switzerland. And he's working at a patent office. And Superman dons a disguise and gives Luthor um, <laughs> in his disguise uh, as uh, Jean-Paul um, Jean-Paul Frogu, I think is the way it is. It's P-H-R-G-U-E. Uh, frog, that's how it would be. Uh, Monsieur Frog, not frog, frog. So he pretends to be a Frenchman. He gives him plans for a, a perpetual motion machine. And so there's no crime being committed as Luthor is sitting behind the desk at this patent office until he gets these plans for this perpetual motion machine. And then Luthor decides he's going to steal the plans and Superman catches him. And is very thankful that Lex Luthor <laughs> uh, did this because since there was no crime being committed, there would be a bunch of, of hoops to go through for extradition to get Lex Luthor back to the States from Switzerland. But since Lex Luthor, as an escaped criminal, is now committing a crime in Switzerland, um, Superman's going to be able to take him back to the United States a lot quicker. So now... Uh, what happens is <laughs> it's kind of funny the way he catches him is all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of Luthor um, holograms in the room and Luthor hides in a lead line closet uh, while Superman kind of deals with the holograms. And then uh, he punches through the lead line closet and grabs him. And Luthor's, how did you find me? Well, I, I smelled you. I sniffed you out because, you know, Superman has super smelling too, not just supervision. So we find out every March 14th, Luther is somewhere doing something, but usually something not criminal. This takes us to March 14th, 1986, and Supes is ready for something. This time, Lex Luthor just sets up a weird crime in New Jersey. I say a weird crime, but he creates this arch of water that lifts a boat up above a lake. And again, we're, we're in New Jersey and... Um, Superman comes quicker than Lex Luthor anticipated. Lex Luthor is just so happy. At last, I can look over his personal papers in peace, challenged intellectually at last. And I remember reading this as a kid, and I guess, you know, the art did kind of strike me because of just the things that Luthor was doing and Superman were doing and the way that their their body language. And he's just, you know, he's got his hand, uh, his his temples kind of resting on his fingertips, and he, he's just, re, you know, shuffling through these papers. Uh, the 
arch of water outside is there to get the people out of the building and to distract them. But Superman is not going to be so easily distracted. And so he drops the boat into the water, uh, hoping Superman will take care of of the boat. But Superman just zips past and and goes up and finds Lex Luthor. But then he hesitates and he puts Luthor down because there's another holographic Luthor up above and he flies up to that other Luthor who's wearing the green suit, the green uh, power suit that Luthor has, the super superpowers uh, collection power suit, I guess. And real Luthor is on the ground and he's running away, but then he sees a child who has been pushed into the water by the boat and the, the arch of water, the waves push this child into the water on the lake. And so he, he says, no, I can't let someone drown because of me, not on his birthday. And he's been talking about this. He, this, his all issue. And, and you figured out who the, he is sixth grade or seventh grade. Me rather didn't figure out who the, he was uh, until I, it was all explained to me at the end. But I mean, the, he is pretty obvious if you've, you know, read the splash page at the beginning of the story. So Luther jumps in the water, saves the kid, brings him up, and Superman flies down, catches him. Luther could have escaped, maybe, but probably not. But he flies down, grabs him, and then instead of flying him north to the prison, he flies him south. And uh, Superman says, I figured something out today. I figured out that today's significance is that on this date in, 19, in 1879, Albert Einstein was born. And suddenly they find themselves at the Smithsonian Institute. And the Smithsonian Institute is someplace Luther never dared to go because it's just too public. And when I say he never dared to go, I mean he never dared to go to do um, what he's doing for March 14th. He probably would have dared to go, you know, for some sort of caper or some sort of heist or some sort of scheme, but not for what Superman is allowing him to do. He flies down, they touch down, and they're there at the 100th anniversary statue of Einstein. And Luther looks up at it. He has a tear in his eye and he says, happy birthday, sir. And you know, Superman explains how he pieced all these things together and how all of these other crimes took place at places where Luther was just going there because that's where, uh, you know, Einstein had been. And so you have the patent office and you have this ice cream place and you have the, the New Jersey area where uh, Einstein would, would wander around and think his great thoughts and, and write down his on his papers. And, and then you just have this, it's kind of funny, in the background you have police officers keeping all the crowds back and says, all right, all right, keep back. You all get a chance to see them on tonight's news. But then you have Lex Luthor just looking not quite sorrowful, not quite mournful, but he looks at, at Superman and he just says, time to go. And Superman says, I'm afraid so, Lex. And the final panel is Lex Luthor being led away. He's behind a chain link fence walking toward the prison. And he looks back and he waves to Superman and says, thanks for everything. And Superman says, we've all got our heroes, Lex, but do try to be good. And that's that's my Superman right there. That's the Superman I enjoy. And I don't know if this story ended up in any uh, collections. I don't see any information on Mike's amazing world about it being collected in like greatest Superman stories of the eighties or something like that. But that's a great story for me. And this really kind of informed the idea of the grudging respect opponents can have. 
Uh, you've got Superman, a hero, showing compassion and and mercy and even a little bit of grace. You know, he's he's like, you know, he should just take him straight to prison. But instead, he gives him a not really a birthday gift to Luthor. I mean, it's not Luthor's birthday, but it's a significant day for him because his hero was born on that day. And it's a great if slightly simplistic Superman story to me. I really, really like the story, but it gets better. You know, as they say, but wait, there's more. There's the second story. And what's the second story? The ghost of Superman future. Also written by Elliot S. Magan. Drawn by uh, Kurt Swan, inked by Al Williamson and editor Julius Schwartz. And, you know, there's I'm going to go ahead and read the captions here at the beginning because I just like I like the language that uh, is, is being used here. And it's just that that kind of grand mythological language. We're in the future, about 100 years or so. And it says, and the day came when the man of steel grew old, when his ebon hair grew flaked with snow and his face seemed with gullies that are the wages of wisdom. But his strength did not falter. His speed did not ebb. His great flashing blue eyes did not grow dim. And he realized that such decay for other men is for other men only, never to be known by a Superman. And in this story, he's not completely white like he is on the cover. His, his The top of his hair is still dark, but he's being interviewed by reporters who are wearing DC future clothing that just, you know, I don't get it, uh, but it's it's DC 80s future. OK, and the reporters are asking him questions. What have you been up to for the last few years? And why did you let us interview you? And he lets them interview him because uh, they found him. And he says, what about your friend, Dr. Luthor, who disappeared the same time you did? And he says, Lex, uh, we ran around the universe together for a while, but normal humans die when they get old, you see. And then <laughs> another reporter says, uh, speculation on Earth is that Luthor was your secret identity all along and by misdirection. And then he's uh, cut off by Superman's laughter. And. So he he mentions that he's surprised no one figured out his secret for his identity. But then he, he says he needs their holographic tech to record a message. It's a one-sided message that he records using his total recall of a, a different message. And so what happens is we see back in time where at the Fortress of Solitude, as uh, Superman is investigating a March 14th occurrence with Lex Luthor, uh, there's a giant, so young Superman comes, there's a giant old Superman standing on the Fortress of Solitude who gives the information to Superman, has the conversation, and they talk about, you know, you need to let Luther go. This next time you catch him, let him go for, you know, after you've caught him. And the young Superman's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're a trick. Um, and so then we see, if we go from there to that final scene again, where Superman comes, the boat is up on the arch, it falls down, the water sweeps a kid into the, to, into the water. Superman lets Luthor go. Luthor jumps into the water, rescues the boy named Calvin Anderson. And then we, we go back to the future after all of that. 
back to the future Superman. And he asks them, he says, I'm going to use my, you know, my resources to send this message back in time. But I'm going to give you guys, you reporters, this copy of the tape. Please take it to Dr. Anderson, the famous criminal rehabilitation scientist. And suddenly the story takes on this even it just takes on a deeper context for me, I guess. Or there's a subtext there. I I don't know. It, it just it, it becomes something even more where it was a touching story. But now you have other elements added to it. You, you have a grandfather paradox, you know, like you get in time travel. He sent the message. So future Superman sent the message to past Superman and that caused past Superman to act in such a way that he would say, I need to send a message back to me because what I did needed to happen. And why did he do it? Why did he feel like that needed to happen? Because when he was young, he was visited by a future version of himself. It's circular. There is no beginning to that action. It's a complete circle that has no... Um, no prime moment. And so it's, it's a different kind of time travel. We don't get it as much uh, because, you know, there's no parallel universe here that gets created. There's no change in the time stream. No, this is something that had to happen because it happened and it was going to happen. And so therefore he had to do it so that things could happen in his past. So when he became this future version, he could send the message back so things could happen in his past. And it's just, it, it's one of those things, if you think too much about it, you know, you, you might just decide, I, I'm out, you know, I'm going to tap out here. But if you don't think too much about it, it's one of those things where it's immutable time. The time stream happens the way it does because it happens the way it does. And you can't go back and change it. And if you try to go back and change it, you're actually not changing anything. It was supposed to be that way all along. And that's what we have here. The message he sent was the message he was supposed to send all along. But then there are all these little nuggets of information, these future elements where you have Lex Luthor has been rehabilitated. At some point, Lex Luthor was rehabilitated. At some point, Superman and Lex Luthor disappeared into space for decades. And they had adventures together and they were great friends. They were great friends again, I should say, because I say this informs a lot of what I think about the Lex Luthor Superman relationship. And I don't think it always needs to be like this. In fact, there's reasons why I don't want things to be like this, because this story is this story. And I don't need to read it again because I have this story right here. So I don't mind reading like Red Sun, which has a completely different take on the Superman Lex Luthor uh, relationship. Or, you know, there are other ones that I don't know, but, you know, going to the movie then and uh, the newer version of Lex Luthor, I don't really know too much about. But I don't need to see this story again. But the other thing that informed my view of the Lex Luthor Superman relationship actually goes back to that television special. I think it was the 50th anniversary of Superman hosted by Dana Carvey. Uh, Jan Hooks was in it and she played a woman who claimed that her son was Superman's love child. And there it was produced by Lauren Michaels. 
I mean, it was basically a Saturday Night Live production. I mean, they were basically honoring, you know, Superman, but there was dumb jokes and there was this superhero who one could see very far and the other one could fly. So to fight crime, the one would spot the crime and then he'd ride on the back of the guy who could fly. It was just, there was some really stupid stuff in there. It's it's on uh, some Superman DVDs here and there that uh, I'm not sure exactly what ones, but but I have this complete set of Superman movies and it was on, on there and I was able to watch it again recently and it doesn't really hold up very much. But it does get into, you know, the the history of Superman and it, it does talk about how Superman and Lex Luthor were once friends and then Superman did something or Superboy rather did something to rescue Lex Luthor from an experiment that failed and that caused his hair to fall out and become bald and so now they're enemies. And so that idea of them being friends, I didn't really know about that because that wasn't in the movie or in the Superman Friends cartoon, but that kind of struck me. Oh, they were once friends. That's a really cool thing. And so here you kind of have a culmination of that. They were once friends, they became enemies and they become friends again. And so the other thing that's in there is why was Lex Luthor rehabilitated? He was rehabilitated by a doctor named Dr. Anderson. And who was the boy that Lex Luthor rescued? Calvin Anderson. The boy that he stopped to rescue The boy that he said, I can't let this happen on his birthday. That's the boy who grew up to help Lex Luthor be rehabilitated. And it all started because of a choice that Lex Luthor made to honor his hero. And that just takes a story and cranks it up a few notches, you know, takes it up to 11 on the Ben scale because uh, I love it. I I love it. This is a story about redemption. This is a story about grace and second chances and friendship. This is a a story. It's a standalone story. And it takes place, you know, in in the real world, it takes place at the end of a universe. Like I said, six months or so later, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow is going to be coming out. And that that story is the definitive final chapter of Superman's life. Uh, This does not fit that narrative. This does not fit that continuity. It doesn't have to. It's its own thing. And I'll go so far as to say that I I, I already said this. Maybe I'll go so far as to say again for repetition's sake. uh, I like this ending better in a lot of ways. Now, this doesn't tie up any loose ends with Lois Lane. This doesn't tie up anything with Jimmy Olsen or anything like that. Whatever happened to The Man of Tomorrow, it goes through and it says, Every single important secondary character in the Superman mythos is going to get an end. This is just a conceptual ending. This is one that says, okay, what's a logical conclusion that comes from this particular story? This story exists in its own world of every March 14th, Lex Luthor escaped. Superman showed kindness to Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor showed selflessness and took that one step. And he did it before Superman showed kindness to him. It should be noted. I mean, Superman put him down on the ground and then went up to go after the fake Lex Luthor. But Lex Luthor didn't see that as a, oh, Superman is doing something nice for me. He saw it as, oh, my trick worked. 
I'm going to get out of here. And so Superman or Lex Luthor stops because of the example set for him by his hero, Einstein. He says, no, it's not going to happen on his birthday. I can't let this happen. This boy cannot die because of me on his birthday. That's step number one. He chose right then to take that selfless action. And then Superman shows Lex Luthor a kindness and takes him to a place that he could never go to, but that he would really, really appreciate. And so this rehabilitation, it all started because of a choice that Superman made, a choice that Lex Luthor made. So yeah, this becomes a story about redemption. It becomes... uh, it becomes a story that basically was written from for me, I guess. Uh, in some ways, maybe this is kind of that time travel thing we're talking about. I say it was written for me because it resounds with the things that resound with me. But maybe some of those things resound with me because I read this story. But for people who know me, you can imagine why this would resound with me. It's not very hard. It's a favorite hero of mine, Superman. It shows a future version of him. So we're getting now some what if Elseworld type of thing. It's got time travel. Now, granted, it's just time travel backwards with a message going back in time. But that's time travel right there. Uh, And it's a story about redemption. And it's a story about overcoming the evil within. And it's a story about taking that one small step at the beginning. And then the, the ripple effect. I mean, we don't get to see his whole... Um, rehabilitation and how did he stop choosing to do evil things and all that. We don't see all of that happen. Instead, what we see is this nice, big metaphorical action where that small act of kindness is directly linked to his rehabilitation because it was rescuing that boy. Yes. But at the same time, that becomes, you know, his Lex Luthor's actions are what causes him to be able to be rehabilitated. If he hadn't saved that boy, he wouldn't be rehabilitated. And so it was just that first action that Luther took, and it was a conscious choice for him to take. And he was influenced by his hero, Albert Einstein, and he was also influenced by his enemy, Superman, who showed him that kindness. And to me, this is a hero story then. This is what a hero does. A hero is kind. A hero is just a hero is willing to sacrifice and a hero is willing to stop. And instead of, you know, just punching the problem, which, you know, in a lot of stories, you punch the problem. That's what happens in superhero stories. The problem gets punched. The problem is solved. That's not what happens here. This is a story about using kindness This is a story about using um, gentleness. I mean, it's it's about really just showing compassion to someone who needs it. And as a result, Superman got to go on lots of adventures in space with Lex Luthor and had a great old time with a great old friend. Grade 7 was a formative year for me. Uh, I had an English teacher who took time and invested in me and encouraged me, and she'll never know uh, how that that affected me. I mean, there are certain teachers that I can point to uh, that that just p- 
pushed me in the right way to where I say I am a writer now because of this professor in college. Dr. Courtright Nash. I am a writer now because of Mr. Sunberg and because of Mr. Kurtz and because of um, <laughs> Mr. Beeson. I am a writer now because of uh, Mrs. Kurtzman. I am a writer now because of Mrs. Barry in third grade. These are all people who took time and invested in me and encouraged me. Um, but we're talking about grade seven now because that's when I also had friends who talked about story with me. And, you know, I remember talking about Twilight Zone all the time with Kippy. And actually, Twilight Zone is a great thing here. Uh, this comic itself is a standalone superhero Twilight Zone comic. And I discovered stories like these. You know, this is the time period where I discovered Jaws. This is the time period where I was watching Star Trek for the first time. This is the time period where I was reading this Superman kind of Superman story. This is a time period where. I can look back on it very, very, very fondly. And I am so glad to revisit this. And I was so glad to break the rule, but I didn't really break a rule if the rule hadn't been set, right? I mean, that's that's the way things work, right? Now, here's the problem. Here is the big problem. Superman number 116, that's this issue. Superman number 117, next issue. What if Kal-El's rocket had not landed on Earth, but on another world, and Superman became the Warlord of Mars? Oh, man, I want to read that comic. Superman number 417. I am going to be looking for that because, I mean, that's just hitting more of my sweet spots. And now that new love that I have for John Carter, Warlord of Mars. I mean, come on. Ah, Superman on Mars. It only makes sense. I mean, John Carter, Warlord of Mars influenced Superman. Well, maybe someday I'll be revisiting that time period in a future journey back in time. We'll just have to, to see if I can fire up the, the time travel machine and, and get that Superman number 417, Superman Warlord of Mars. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to thank you for listening. And if you have ever read this comic, um, I would love to hear from you. And, and I, I would love to hear if you actually enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I think it'd be kind of hard, actually, to enjoy it as much as I did because I enjoyed this comic a lot. You can write to us at feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com. You can actually help support the podcast by going to comicbooktimemachine.com slash Amazon, where you can place orders then through that link. And it doesn't cost you anything more, but it does actually help support the podcast, helps keep the time machine running. But for now, until next time, all I have to say is Godspeed, everyone.